morning. Please, please have a seat. I apologize to Nate publicly for humming in his ear. No matter where you go on this planet, and I have some fresh memories of being on the other side of this planet, the need is the same. It's Jesus Christ. We need to know Jesus Christ. And not, not just know him, but adore him. Are we together? Are you awake? It's more than just knowing about him. It's more than just knowing the historical Jesus. We need to adore him. We need God to work in our hearts to bring us to a place where we kneel at that manger and we adore Jesus Christ. Ignore the crying child behind me. He's being take, well taken care of. She, she. I didn't look. I should have looked, huh? Christmas looks and feels very different this year. Would you agree? Those of us that are older that have experienced many, 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 many Christmases, and I'm not thinking of myself, I'm thinking of Sharon, but those who have experienced many, many, many years of Christmas, I don't think there's any comparison to what we're experiencing right now. However, I think there's a, a, I see a silver lining in what's happening to us right now in this season of Advent and Jesus coming to earth. And it's this. I think what God is, is challenging us to do and providing a, a space for us is that we would truly look at Christmas to see what it's really about. Can we, can we admit that we might be guilty of putting so many layers over this season that sometimes Jesus, that baby in the manger, is kind of lost in all the other layers? Yeah? And they're not bad things, right? They're good things, most of them. Maybe not all the materialism and the shopping, but the songs, the music, the lights. Oh, I love the lights. I love the lights. If you come to my house for a long time, in fact, I was gone. I was in Tanzania when this happened. My son came over and put up lights. But when I left, and I left at 2 in the, two in the morning, we left. And I remember walking out to the car, and it just was so sad you know, the, the darkness of our, of our courtyard, the cul-de-sac, and there was no lights on our house. There were a few other lights, houses with lights, but not the Pearsons, those slackers. They didn't have any lights up on their house. And when I came home, there were lights on my house. There, there, those icicle thingies, whatever, you know, the, the things that hang down. And then Becky had bought one of those, like, laser show things, you know, that puts all the little sparklies all over your house. And to come home and to see the lights, it began to feel like Christmas. So there's that layer of the lights. And then I came in the house and there's a tree and it's decorated. These are good things. These are good things. But if we've experienced Christmas for a long time as, as people who are adoring Jesus and devoted to him, there is a danger that we've laid all these layers over the top and maybe we are not seeing truly what this season is about. I'm not accusing us of being an intentionalness. For some it is. I'm sorry. I just feel like doing this sometimes. I forgot to get my sunglasses. I don't, I'm not saying that we intentionally do it. I think it's something that just happens to us over time. And what I love about this morning, the, the, the Sunday morning in the middle of this Advent season, and we've tried to do a, a little bit better job this year of bringing our hearts and minds to this place, but particularly this morning and these songs, is we're, we're being called to remember, to really see clearly what Christmas is. 
that it's more than a holiday. It's more than the lights and the gifts and the getting together with family and the food and all that comes with it. Those are all fine. Those are all good things. If they help us see clearly what Christmas really is. Now, a year ago, we started our study in the book of Luke, and I want to invite you to join me in, in the gospel of Luke. We started last year. It was actually the last Sunday of that we were together in 2019 that we began our journey in Luke. And you'll remember these words from Luke chapter 2. In those, de- those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, verse 1, that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, where he lived, in Galilee, and he went to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. And he went there because he was of the house and the family line of David, King David. And he went to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him, and she was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in cloth and she laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for them at the lodge in the hotel. You remember those words? Some of us have heard those words many, many times. And again, it's easy to, to see it as, what's, what's that, that book that you read where Santa comes and he lands on the, you know, me and Ma were in our cap or however it goes, you know? The night before Christmas, remember that? It's, it's, it's just this amazing, well-written story, and it just it's, for many of us, that's kind of a marker of Christmas, right, when we read that story. The danger is sometimes that we, we read these words in Luke 2, I don't know if it's a danger, but the tendency is that we kind of make it like that. It's one of those stories that we, we read to each other, and we don't see, we don't really see what Christmas is. There's this baby in a manger There's no room for him and his parents, for Joseph and Mary to have lodging, the shepherds, the wise men, all these elements of that moment that God took on human flesh. What exactly should we see when we pause like this morning and we sing these songs and we read these words and we're going to celebrate in various ways in this coming week? What exactly should we see? Let, let Let me ask it this way. And I'll borrow from a song. I want, you, I want to ask you this morning, do you see what I see? When you look at Christmas, when you look at all the, the, these, these, this information, these facts, these elements of our celebration of Christmas, do you see what I see? That's my prayer this morning as we move through the final verses of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 24 now, and I invite you to come with me from chapter 2 to chapter 24. We're going to pick it up where Pastor Matt left us last week. In fact, we're going to go back just a little bit into what he taught. Verse 35, you remember the two guys, they were on the road, right? And they're walking to Emmaus and they have this encounter with Jesus and then Jesus is, leaves them and then they begin. They, 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 Matt, would you say they ran? They hurried? They, even though I thought they told Jesus it was too late to travel at night. What's up with that? Then they do it, right? Then they, they, run, they run back to Jerusalem. They make their way back. And in verse 35, they begin to describe what had happened on the road. Where are they? They're back in the upper room now where the other disciples are. At one point, we're told there's about 120 disciples, not just the 12 or the 11, but these people, these dedicated followers of Jesus Christ. And remember, they're still absorbing everything that just happened. 
They had gone from baby Jesus in Bethlehem, fulfilling the prophecy, growing up, becoming a man, a young rabbi, a carpenter with his father, and then a rabbi, and he began to minister and teach and perform miracles for the last three years. He had proclaimed the kingdom of God. God was here. And then he's arrested, he's tried, he's crucified, and he's buried. And some women saw him. Some of the women said that they saw him. And then Peter said, I went to, John and I went to the tomb, and I'm telling you, it's empty. And we saw the clothes there, and they're, they're processing all this. And as they're processing, and if they're like us, if you can imagine if this was happening to us, we wouldn't be sitting quietly in our chairs this morning. If we sent out a call and said, hey, come at 1030 on Sunday, we're going we're gonna to just get together. We need to be together because what's next? What do we do? He, he is our Messiah, but he, they, he, they killed him. And there's rumors that he's alive, and some of us saw the empty tomb. And, but what is going on? Can you, would we be sitting quietly here in the chairs like you are now? No, we'd be, we'd be having these conversations, right? And we'd have opinions, and we'd be, but I heard, but I saw, and we would just, what, what is going on? And in the midst of that, these two guys come in verse 35, and they begin to describe. Now they're going to add to the dialogue their experience. They share what had happened on the road and how he, Jesus, had been made known to them. He was made known to them in the breaking of bread. You remember last week? They share the meal together and Jesus takes the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it. And the word of God says in that moment, his hands, what's unique about his hands? What? They're scarred. And he takes that bread and in my mind, I like to think it was that, that last supper they had together, that Passover meal where it tells us he broke bread and gave it to them. They looked at him and they looked at each other and they, it's Jesus and boom, he's gone. And they're telling the other disciples, this is what happened. We were breaking bread together and he blessed it. And we saw him for who he is. We really could see him. We knew it was him. And as they're saying these things, as they're telling their story, and now everybody is quiet because everybody's listening to the story. As they're watching, listening to these two guys talk, look, look at your Bible. What does it say? What happens? Jesus walks in. I mean, I, I, have, I literally have goosebumps right now every time I say that because I imagine what would happen and I don't know what kind of car it would be. It'd probably be an Uber. An Uber pulls up, and this man gets out, and he walks in, and he comes, and he's just standing back there. And we realize that really looks like Jesus. That really looks like Jesus. This is what's happening to his disciples. They're talking about him, and Jesus walks in as they're saying these things, and he stands among them, and he says to them, Here's what he would say today in 2020. He'd say, just chill out. Chill out. Because like, ah, oh, it looks like, I don't know. Is it, oh, and, then, and everybody's got their opinions. He says, peace, peace, be calm, be calm. Peace to you. But they're startled. That means they're scared. It means it caught them off guard. Have you been scared lately? You know, the, there's, a, there's a mental part, but there's also a physical part, Right? The adrenaline, you know, then sometimes there's anger and you punch the person who scared you or whatever your personality is. But they're startled, they're scared, like, wow, what? And they're terrified. How can this be? He's dead. He was buried. We know the rumors, but that doesn't happen. And they thought they were seeing a ghost. 
I love Jesus, and I, and I mean that sincerely, but I lo- when I read how he interacts and he responds to us, I just, I love him more. Why are you troubled? Because you're a ghost. That's why we're troubled. You, you were buried. This can't be happening. Why are you, why are you troubled? Why are you, why are you frightened? Why are you upset? And why do doubts arise in your heart? Why can't you believe what you're seeing? Here, look at my hands and look at my feet. It's me. I want you to see that it is I myself. Touch me. Touch my scars. See. The picture here is not that you just... Can I have your hand? You stick your hand up. You kind of go... That's not the picture. The word here is that you... That's a real scar. Touch and see. I want you to, Sam, here, you, and he, and he just, he asked them to engage him physically. He wants them to see him. That's been our theme this year in 2020, bringing Jesus into focus. Because every, every follower of Jesus, from them to us, struggles with seeing Jesus clearly. We add all these layers, and then, like them, we have fear and we have doubt. And we have questions. And our, and our brain just says, this can't be true. It can't be true that he actually came back from the dead. It can't be true that Jesus loves me so much that he took my place on the cross. And I can't earn his love. He gives it to me. How is that possible? And we struggle to see Jesus for who he really is. And I hope that you'll see this morning, he really wants us to see him. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see clearly that I have. Isn't that amazing? He had a physical body, a glorified body, because he just walked in there. He showed up. But he's got a body. Come, I want you to know it's me. And having said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. I picture it, they're coming up to him, maybe sitting in a chair, and they're coming up, and they're touching his feet, they're touching his hands, his scars, and while they're sti- they, they were still amazed and unbelieving because of their joy. Oh, this is a weird phrase for us. They were amazed and they were unbelieving because of their joy. Let me make it contemporary. This is too good to be true. This is too good to be true. There, there's a verse, uh, Psalm 126, verse 1, where it talks about God is restoring, the, the people of God restoring us. And it was like, it, it says, it's like, it was like a dream. It's like, how can this, is this for real? Is this really happening? If you went out Christmas morning, and I borrow this from TV commercials that have been, been doing it for a long time, you walk out into the driveway and there's a big brand new car with a big bow on top. You've seen these commercials, right? That's that thing, honey, go for it. You know, it's always the, the wife or the husband, but no, oh, weren't weren't. Imagine going out in your driveway and here's this brand new car, this car that you've wanted your whole life. And you would be like, is this for real? Are there keys? Did you steal this? How did you, is this, oh, this is too good to be true. That's the phrase that, that he uses there. They were amazed. Is this real? Is this really Jesus? Touch him, feel, yes. But they're unbelieving because of their joy. They want it to be true. But it almost seems too good to be true. And so he asked them, Hey, do you have anything to eat? Let me give you some more evidence. They gave him a piece of fish. You see it there in your Bible? 
And he took it, and he ate it in their presence. Now, this is Jesus, again, giving evidence. It's a little strange, though, right? You know, hey, do you have anything to drink? Thank you. Yeah, but you didn't die and raise from the dead, so I don't care about you, but check it out. Mm. See? See what I'm doing? Mm. Mm. He takes the fish, he puts it in his mouth, he chews it up, and he swallows it, and they just take this all in. They take it all in. Let me suggest to us this morning, as we, I hope we are challenged to really take a look at Christmas, I'll suggest this, that here's what Christmas really is. Christmas is really, beyond all the amazing things that we have as a part of our celebration, I believe Christmas is seeing the resurrected Jesus. It's seeing him as the resurrected living Savior. They, they literally had to come to terms with what was being presented to them. Jesus is saying, I rose from the dead. It's not a ghost. It's, not, it's me. I'm back alive again. And that's what Christmas is. That baby in the manger that we, we focus on rightfully and we celebrate is the, is the baby that would grow into a man and he would live and teach and reveal God to us, the kingdom of God. And then he would be tried and crucified and buried and he rose from the dead. Now, is that significant? Paul tells us it's so significant that if that is not true, then we have nothing. He says, if we don't have the resurrection, if Jesus did not conquer death and sin, we have nothing as followers of Jesus. Because I'm still going to die and I'm going to pay for my sins. But Jesus presents himself to his disciples as the resurrected Jesus. And if you and I want to see what Christmas really is, if we want to celebrate Christmas this week, we need to see the resurrected Jesus. The truth is we struggle, right? Now, you're not going to say that out loud, so I'll say it for us. How in the world could this happen? It's too good to be true. That God, my creator, would take my place, he would pay for my sin, though I'm guilty and he's innocent, and he would allow himself to be crucified and buried, and then he would conquer death, he would come back alive? Yes. Is it too good to be true? No. It's true. And I hope that as you read these verses, maybe for the first time, you will see just how deeply Jesus loves you and me, and he wants you and I to see him clearly, that he is the resurrected Savior. Do you see what I see? Verse 44, so then he tells him, he's going he's gonna to go back to what he did last week, Matt, and he's going to go back to the scriptures again. Because again, he wants them to see him. He tells them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. He's going to take a little reminiscent journey back over the three years of ministry and remind them that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. What is he saying? He's, he's trying to, like we saw last week when he took those two disciples through the scriptures, and, and Matt said that was the, the greatest Bible conference that ever took place. Well, this is part two. This is the next day. This is the second half of that conference where he takes these disciples through and he says, everything that, you, that you've read about, read in the scriptures and everything that I've told you over the last three years must be fulfilled. It's all going to come true. You can trust it. Do you hear me? I want to make sure you hear me. 
or hear God, everything that is in your Bible, everything that's written in there, Jesus himself said you can trust it. If it's in there, the promise, the description of what's going to happen, his love and care for us, the redemptive plan, everything in there, he says, Jesus is saying, Sam, you can trust it. It's going to happen. Everything I spoke to you, the, the, the oral word that I spoke and the written word is going to come to pass. Look at the next verse. I love this. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He opened their minds. You may remember Jesus in John 14, 15, 16, when he's telling his disciples that he's going to leave. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to teach them everything, teach us everything we need to know. And he's kept that promise. But in this moment, the Holy Spirit hasn't come yet. It's Jesus himself with his disciples saying, Nate, I want you to read chapter, chapter 6 of Isaiah. Would you read that? You see it? Okay, thank you. And then he opened Nate's mind to understand what's really, what that really is about. In the same way the Holy Spirit does it for us today. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name, Jesus' name, to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I'm sending you what my Father promised, the Holy Spirit. As for you, stay in the city until you're empowered from on high. If you want to expand that, go to Acts chapter 1, where Luke expands it and, and builds on it. And Acts 1.8, right? You will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the way to Carmichael in Northern California, to the ends of the earth. I'm telling you guys, disciples, people, that everything in the Word of God is true and it's going to come about. And I am going to reiterate Matthew 28, Mark 16, Acts 1.8, that now... I want you to go and tell people. Why is that significant to me? And, I, and maybe it will become to all of us. Is because this is Jesus' heart. He wants this world to know him. He wants the world to see him and to know who he is. It's why we're gathered this morning. It's why we sing these songs. I pray that as we move through this coming week, and we're interacting with people and we're sharing meals and we're fellowshiping with our family, that the center of our conversations and of our of our thoughts, is that people would see Jesus, they would know who he is. Because that's Christmas, to see the resurrected Jesus. Number two, to see the victorious Jesus. Christmas is seeing that Jesus is victorious. Everything that's in the word of God that is promised about him, who he is, and what he's going to do will come to pass. And although it's a difficult time for them because they just experienced the crucifixion, he rose from the dead. He conquered sin and death. He did everything that the Father sent him to do. There's not a single, not in any way, that Jesus hasn't been victorious. And he continues to be. Now wrap your head around that, because we're living at the end of 2020. Yeah? Our lives have been turned upside down in many ways. And we have to ask ourselves, as we move into this week of celebrating Christmas, is Jesus victorious today? Is Jesus victorious in politics? Is he victorious in, in, in the healthcare system? Is he victorious in, uh, in the economy? Is he victorious in the church? Is he victorious in our families, in our lives, in our heart? 
Christmas is seeing that Jesus is victorious. Do you see what Jesus has done? Do you understand what the cross is really about and the resurrection? Do you understand who that baby is in the manger when we read these stories and we celebrate this week, the baby and the, and the shepherds and the, and the wise men and all the players, including the, the Roman Caesar who calls for the registration to take place, all these pieces. Do you see what Jesus has done? Do you understand all before the foundations of this world was put into place? This plan was, was if I can say it this way, was hatched in the heart of God. This is what we're going to do. Genesis 3, we saw it last week. Do you see what Jesus has done? Do you see what Christmas really means? Jesus wanted his disciples. He wants you and me. He wants every one of us here this morning to see the victorious Jesus. The very first words of the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who is that speaking of? John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Who is that? Who is it? I can't hear you. Who is it? The last words of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, verses 20 and 21. He who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. Who is coming? Jesus. Who? Jesus. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Jesus says, everything in the word of God is about me, and you can, it points you to me, and you can count on it. If Jesus says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. When we come to the Lord's table in a few minutes, I may or may not say this, but we've said it many times, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim his death, looking back, until he comes. You see, even coming to the Lord's table is about what he has said that he has done and what he says he will do. You want to experience Christmas? Then we need to see the victorious Jesus. We need to see that he has done and will done and always will do everything that he says, that he promises. My favorite passage. What time is it? What time am I supposed to be done? Give me a... Give me a Three o'clock? I heard three o'clock. <laughs> Say that again. Thank you. Colossians chapter one. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to join me there. If not, listen to this or on your phone. If you're at home watching today, get out your Bible. Open to Colossians chapter one, verse 13. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him, in Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible, the invisible, whether thrones or dominions, Washington, D.C., 
Sacramento, California, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God has pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus, and through Jesus, to reconcile everything to himself, to the Father, by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Church, that's a victorious Jesus. Do you see it? Everything he said he, he came to do, he did. Everything the Father, the Son, the Spirit have said, this is the plan. This is how we're going to love this planet. For God so loved the world that he gave his Son. And the Son came, and the Spirit empowered him to come. Jesus is victorious in every way. You want, to, you want to experience the joy of Christmas? You want to celebrate Christmas the way God intends us to celebrate Christmas? You need to see the victorious Jesus. That baby in the manger is the victorious Savior of the world. I love this passage in Colossians. I would encourage you to read that on Christmas morning. Read Luke chapter 2 and then read Colossians 1. Remember who the baby grows up to be. Here's the final words of Luke's gospel. Do you see what I see? Verse 50. Then he leads them out. They leave the upper room where they were gathered, and he leads them out as far as Bethany. Remember Bethany? Lazarus, Mary, Martha, this community outside of Jerusalem. And lifting up his hands, he blesses them. Ah. Wouldn't you want to be there? No? Am I the only one? To be there with his followers and to have Jesus lift his hands and just look at you in the eye and, and smile? Ah. And then he blesses them. I don't know what he says. We're not told what he says. He blesses them, and while he is blessing them, while he is speaking, he leaves them, and he's carried up into heaven. And he ascends back to heaven. You can read about it at the end of Mark as well. You can read it in Acts 1. Again, Luke, the author of Acts, gives us a few more details. He's carried up into heaven. And the Gospel of Luke closes with this. After worshiping him, Nate, I, th I think that they, I like to think that they, they sang. There's many ways to worship him. But there's something about this capacity God's given us to make, and you know because I was singing in your ear this morning, this ability that we have to hum, to sing, to just proclaim who we believe him to be. I don't know what they sang, but I believe they sang, that they lifted their voices together and they worshiped him. Maybe they prayed, maybe they, maybe they quoted scriptures that had come alive for them. Isaiah 53 or Isaiah 6 or 9, maybe they just began to, to say that out loud, but they worshipped him as he ascended back to heaven. And then they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple complex, praising God. Do you see what I see? Do you see a resurrected Jesus in Christmas? Do you see a victorious Jesus in the manger? And finally, do you see a glorified Jesus? Do you realize that that baby in the manger came from the right hand of the Father? That he didn't come into existence in Bethlehem. He existed in eternity past. He was there at creation. And he takes on this form and he, 
is in the womb of Mary and he is born as this baby and he's, he's placed in a manger and pretty quick he's running for his life, isn't he? His parents are fleeing because Herod wants to get rid of him and he grows into a man and he reveals to us the Father. He shows us God. He teaches us the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? And then he's crucified, he's buried, and he rises from the dead and he ascends back to the right hand of the Father, his rightful place, as the glorified Savior, Jesus the Christ. Are we together? I'm not trying to, to twist Christmas or make it something that it doesn't feel like what Christmas is. I'm trying, I, I want to see Jesus clearly so that I can celebrate Christmas, what Christmas really is. Jesus is the resurrected Savior. That means everything. He is the victorious Savior. There's not a moment, there's not a circumstance, there's not a situation on this planet that he is not present in and he will be victorious in it. And he is the glorified Jesus. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And, and the Word of God tells us what he's doing. You know what he's doing? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And when you go through something and you bring your heart to, to, to God and you cry out to the Father, Jesus is right there saying, Marianne, she's, she's, Father, I know you know this, but she's part of our family. I died for her. I paid for her sins. And she cried out in faith and repentance to me. And I ado we adopted her into our family. And do you see what she's facing? Do you see what she's asking for? Do you see what she needs? And the father says, oh, yes. And Jesus says, let's do it. Let's care for her. Let's because she's one of ours. And because he's glorified, he has everything that he needs to do that, to meet you and I where we are. Whatever, whatever situation we're facing, whatever is happening in our world, he is, he is the glorified Jesus I don't, I'm not going to take time. I had some, some passages here, but I, I want to give them to you. Some of you will write these down. The Gospel of John, verse 12, verses 37 to 41. The author of that Gospel, John, speaks of Isaiah, and that Isaiah wrote what he wrote because he saw Jesus. And then if you go to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, you'll see what Isaiah writes about Jesus. Do, do you hear me? When you read Isaiah 6 and you see the, 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 the glory of God in the temple and the smoke and the, and the creatures they're worshiping, who are they worshiping? According to the Gospel of John, they're worshiping Jesus. It's Jesus sitting on that throne. And they cry out, holy, holy, holy. This is Jesus, the glorified Jesus. He comes to earth and then he returns back. And you remember John 17, Jesus talks about his glorification. And that the Father would welcome him back at the right hand and that he would experience that glory. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Let's I do want to read this. I have a few minutes. Revelation chapter 1 verse 12. This is the Apostle John. And he has a vision and, and he sees Jesus. In verse 12 it says, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven gold lampstands. And among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man. He was dressed in a long robe, and he had a gold sash wrapped across his chest. His head, his hair were white like wool. They were white as snow, and his eyes were like a fiery flame. His feet were like fine bronze as it is fired in the furnace, meaning it's glowing red. It's been heated up. And his voice was like the sound of cascading waters. 
He had seven stars in his right hand, and a double, sharp, double-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was shining like the sun at noonday. I don't recommend it, but if you look over there, you'll get a little glimpse of what he saw. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he, catch this, he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why are you upset? Peace to you. Why are you troubled? I'm the first and the last, the living one. I was dead, but look, I'm alive, and I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. Who is this? It's Jesus. John was given a a glimpse, and and he's trying to describe the best he can with human language. This is what I saw, and I'm, it's Jesus. Still in puberty, apparently. Do you see it? I pray that when we look at that baby in the manger this week and we reflect on that, that we never see him the same way again. Because that baby in the manger is the resurrected. He will become the savior of the world. That's why he came. And he will be victorious in every way. And boy, do we need to be reminded of that today. And he is glorified. He is eternal. He is the right hand of the Father. And he is sovereign. Imagine Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Gavin Newsom seeing that. Where they go, well, oh, you know, okay, well, we're going we're to pass some laws and we're going to... What does John do? He falls on the ground like, like he's it's just, it's overwhelming. And Jesus reaches out and puts his hand on him and says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. See, the, the, the heart of God is not that we <laughs> live in fear and... and, and worry and anxiety. He wants us to know that he is resurrected. He has conquered our enemies. Amen? It's a good place to say amen. He's conquered our enemies. Death, hell, sin. He set us free from that. He will be victorious in every way in our life if we will trust him, if we will see him for who he is. And he is glorified. He is at the right hand of the Father. And nothing is going to knock him off that throne. Nothing. This is Christmas. I wonder if you see what I see. I pray that we do. Would you join me? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you've put your faith in him. I want to invite you to join me at the Lord's table this morning. There's elements in the back if you didn't get one. Say, well, what if, what if I... I'm still trying to decide on who Jesus is, and I'm not sure... Good, good. Please don't, please don't take this next moment as that you're, you're, you're not welcome or that you're not loved by God. But I want to be clear. This is Jesus commanded his followers to do that. He said, if you are my disciple, you've put your faith in me, then I want you to regularly do this because you need to remember who I am and what I've done for you. Can I make it connected to what we're saying this morning? That we come to the, 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 the bread and the cup the body and the blood of Christ, that Passover meal that they shared. We don't do the Passover meal anymore. We do this in obedience to his instructions. Remember this morning, and I'm going to invite you when you're ready, there's bread there, that little wafer, and there's, there's juice. Take it when you're ready, but let me encourage you to do it in this way. Remember that Jesus is resurrected from the dead. We are not worshiping a dead Savior We're not lamenting the crucifixion. If you have a cross around your neck, great, but there better not be Jesus on it. 
It better be empty because he's not on the cross. And if you got a tomb hanging around your neck, I don't know if that's possible, it better have an open door and there better be nobody inside. Remember that he is a resurrected savior. He's conquered death and sin. And he is a victorious savior. Remember that. And remember that he is glorified. He is God, always has been, always will be. And he is your advocate. He is your attorney at the right hand of the Father representing you. Remember that. So I invite you to take the bread, take the cup, and as Jesus instructed his disciples, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way he took the cup and he said, take, drink. This is my body, which, this is my blood which is poured out for you. Let me close with this thought. We're going to respond this morning in a, in a few moments of prayer, so prepare for that. But in Luke 24, to go back to last week, verse 33, that very hour after Jesus left them, they got up and they returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those with them gathered together, and they said, the Lord has certainly been raised and has appeared to Simon. This is what they tell these two disciples and then the two disciples from Emmaus begin to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread what I believe they're describing here is that meal they were sharing when they asked him to come in and stay with them and they're having this meal together there's a point in the meal where Jesus takes the bread and it tells us in Luke that he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them and it was in that moment that they saw him for who he really is when you and I take this cup and this bread and we eat it and we drink it, the heart of Jesus is, remember who I am. He wants you and I to see him clearly for who he is. And as we move through Christmas, this celebration, and we, this interesting year comes to an end, nothing may change January 1st. You realize that? It may just continue the craziness and all that God's asking us to navigate through may continue. And I'm not meaning to discourage you, but the reality is we don't know what our circumstances are going to look like, but what we can be certain of is who Jesus is. He is the resurrected Savior. He is the victorious Savior. And He is the glorified Savior. And I pray that not one of us would leave this courtyard this morning without being able to say that He is my Savior. He is my Savior. If He's not your Savior, please don't leave this morning without talking to someone, just saying, hey, can we talk more about this? It's not that the followers of Jesus have all the answers, because we don't. Sometimes we are, have fear, we have anxiety, we have stress, we, we, we stumble, Right? But there is something that we absolutely know for certain. Jesus is resurrected. He is victorious. And he's glorified at the right hand of the Father. And that's all I need to know. And if you approach someone this morning and say, hey, can we talk about what was being talked about this morning? That's what you're, you're going to be shared. That was what will be shared with you. What we know. This is Christmas. Do you see what I see? 
Heidi, is Heidi praying this morning? My memory serves me correctly. Would you come on up? I want to read the words of this song, and then Heidi, would you lead us in a time of, of prayer? Said the night wind to the little lamb, do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb, do you see what I see? A star, a star, it's dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? Ringing through the sky, shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? A song, a song, it's high above the trees with a voice as big as the sea. Said the shepherd boy to the mighty king, do you know what I know? In your palace warm, mighty king, do you know what I know? A child, a child shivers in the cold. Let's bring him silver and gold. Said the king to the people everywhere, listen to what I say. Pray for peace, people everywhere. Listen to what I say. The child, the child sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light. He will bring us goodness and light. Do you see what I see?